Today is the 27th day of November. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I am Brian. Welcome to a brand new shiny sparkly week. And today, today's a special day as we begin this new week. Today is the first day, the first Sunday in the season of Advent. Advent begins today. That means we're about 40 days out from Christmas Day. There's four Sundays leading up to Christmas, and those are the Sundays of Advent, and that's the season of Advent. And you may have, uh, you may have observed Advent your entire life. And you kind of just grew up with Advent calendars and just everything that goes around that. You also may be somebody that has heard the name Advent before, but don't really have never observed it. It's not part of your uh, tradition in the church that you belong to. That's fine. <laughs> it's all fine. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. Advent means arrival. And it's simply a season designated on the Christian calendar to allow our hearts to begin to prepare for the arrival of the Savior into the world. And obviously that's happened a while back, but we commemorate that as we celebrate Christmas each year. And so to have a season of Advent, very similar to the fact that we have the season of Lent leading up to Easter, really is simply a time to immerse ourselves, to give special focus to what is going on, and that is preparing our hearts to celebrate the arrival of, of Jesus, which is a, a very different story than the arrival of, say, Santa Claus. And Advent, Advent is meant to put our hearts, in part, in the place that the people were in as they longed for change, longed for a Savior. They were waiting, expecting, hoping that some things would change and that God would restore them. And then he came. And so we, we put ourselves as Christian people in the same position. We, we think about that, that there was a time where this story hadn't been told yet. That people were longing for restoration and hope. That people were longing for a savior a redeemer, a, a restorer. And we focus on that and even embrace that longing as we consider it because we're still longing. Jesus came and then promised to come again. And so we, uh, kind of in between the two arrivals, the two advents, if you will, find ourselves longing for that for the arrival of the Savior, for full hope to be restored, for every knee to bow and every tongue to confess. And so we too have our own longing. And as we move toward the season uh, and Christmas day, we embrace that, knowing that he came for us, knowing that he will come again, knowing that we are in between those two things, 
and knowing that we are longing for the day of his arrival. And so if that sounds meaningful, uh, then there are all kinds of ways to embrace Advent, but it really is just a season of preparation in our hearts to prepare us for Christmas. I never grew up this way. Like that, It's not part of my story. I knew about it. I had heard of it. For some reason, I thought it was suspicious. I don't know, like something that people do, but we don't do. And so there must be something weird about it. But as I became a grown man, I understood what was going on, especially understanding the sort of formation of the church and how some of the traditions have developed over the years. It's become very meaningful to me, become uh, very meaningful to Jill and I and our family. We have an Advent wreath and each Sunday we light the candle and we don't keep it burning like constantly, but we at least do it so that like, There are Advent calendars, there are Advent wreaths that have candles in them. You may be, you know, going to church today and there will be an Advent uh, candle and it, it will be lit. The first of the four candles will be lit. Today's candle is the hope candle and it allows us to have a whole week as we are preparing for the arrival of Christmas and the celebration of Jesus' arrival to focus on our hope. What is our hope in? Where does our hope lie? Where has our hope failed us? Where are we lacking in hope and putting our hope utterly and completely in God? And so, there you go. There's a little bit of where we are. It's like, what a whirlwind. Went through last week. Thanksgiving Day in the in the United States, and then Black Friday, and all the shopping and the festivities, and then China's birthday yesterday, and now here we are, beginning the season of Advent. So a lot is going on, and that is how this part of the year typically works for each one of us. Nevertheless, no matter what is going on, we gather around the global campfire for many reasons, but one primary reason, and that is to take the next step forward together. As we continue our journey through the scriptures this year. And so we have begun the book of Daniel, which we will continue to work our way through. We finished first Peter yesterday, which brings us to second Peter. Uh, when we get to the New Testament, and we'll talk about that then. But this week we'll read from the voice translation, Daniel chapter 4. One day, King Nebuchadnezzar sent out a herald with a message for all the peoples, nations, and languages of the earth. The message said, May peace and prosperity be yours. I am pleased to be able to tell you about all the signs and miracles the Most High God has done for me. How great are His signs! How powerful are His miracles! His kingdom will endure forever. His reign will last from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at my home in my palace. Things 
were going well and I was prospering. Then one night I had a dream that terrified me. As I rested that night on my bed, the images in my mind, the visions in my head disturbed me greatly and I could not shake the fear. So I ordered my servants to gather all the wise men of Babylon and bring them before me in order to tell me what this dream might mean. So they came, magicians, enchanters, Chaldean astrologers and diviners. And though I told them the dream, they could not tell me its meaning. Finally, Daniel came before me. This man had been given the Babylonian name Belteshazzar after the name of my own god, Bel. And it certainly seems the spirit of the holy gods is with him. I told him my dream. Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, it is clear to me that the spirit of the holy gods is with you and no mystery is too difficult for you to figure out. Listen to my dream and tell me what it means. Here is the vision I saw as I lay upon my bed. A tree stood in the middle of the land. It was huge, rising high in the sky. The tree grew tall and strong and it reached right up to the top of the sky. It was so large that it could be seen from one end of the earth to the other. It had beautiful leaves and plenty of fruit. In fact, it provided sustenance for everyone. Wild animals came and rested in its cool shade. Birds flew in and built nests on its sturdy branches. Every living creature plucked its fruit and was satisfied. But that was not all. The visions kept coming as I lay there on my bed, and I saw a heavenly messenger, a holy watcher coming down from heaven. He shouted out orders regarding the tree. Cut down the tree and lop off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruits. Let all the wild animals beneath it run away and all the birds on its branches fly away. But leave its stump intact, its roots in the ground. Strapped down with iron and bronze, surrounded by the tender grass of the field, let the dew of heaven fall heavy on it every night and make it wet. And let him live off the plants of the earth among the wild animals. Let his human heart be changed, exchanged for the heart of a wild animal, until seven times have come and gone. The verdict comes down as the watchers decreed. The sentence is passed by order of the holy ones so that all who live on the earth may know that the Most High God is the true sovereign over all kingdoms of the earth. He grants authority to anyone he wishes and installs the lowliest of people into positions of power. So I said to Daniel, This is the dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, dreamed, the vision I saw. None of the other sages and wise men in my kingdom are able to tell me what it means. But I believe you, Belteshazzar, can, because the spirit of the holy gods is with you and you have a special gift. Now tell me what it means. As the interpretation of the king's dream became clear, Daniel, who was also called Belteshazzar, became visibly upset for a while. His thoughts troubled him. The king noticed and he spoke to Daniel. 
Belteshazzar, don't let my dream or its meaning alarm you. Tell me what you know. Belteshazzar said, My lord, I wish the dream described those who hate you and its meaning concerned the fate of your enemies. The tree you saw in your vision, the one which grew tall and strong so that its top reached up to the sky and could be seen from one end of the earth to the other, the tree whose leaves were beautiful and fruit plentiful and provided sustenance for everyone, the tree under which the wild animals came to rest in the cool shade and in which the birds built their nests on its sturdy branches. That tree is you, O king. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown tall and reached the sky. Your authority and power extend to the end of the earth. But that is just one part of your dream. The king saw the messenger, the holy watcher of heaven, come down from heaven and declare, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump intact, its roots in the ground strapped down with iron and bronze, surrounded by the tender grass of the field. Let the dew of heaven fall heavy on it every night and make it wet, and let him live among the wild animals off the plants of the earth until seven times have come and gone. Here is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree the Most High God has issued against you, my lord and king. You will be driven away from all that is human and live in the company of wild animals. You will be forced to eat grass like oxen, and night after night the dew of heaven will fall on you and make you soaking wet. Seven times will pass until you learn your lesson and acknowledge that it is the Most High God and no other who is the true sovereign over all kingdoms on earth. And he grants authority to anyone he wishes. The Watcher's order to leave the stump and roots of the tree intact means that your kingdom will be restored to you when, and only when, you acknowledge that heaven alone is sovereign over the earth. So, O king, please accept my advice to you. Make a clean break with your sins and invest in what is right. Bring an end to your wicked deeds and show mercy to those you have beaten down. If you do, perhaps your future will be different and your prosperity will continue. But King Nebuchadnezzar forgot Daniel's advice, so everything Daniel had predicted happened. Twelve months later, as the king was strolling across the roof of his royal palace in Babylon, the king uttered foolish words. Isn't Babylon a great city? I have built this royal residence from the ground up with my own might and ingenuity to honor my own majesty. The words had scarcely left his lips when another voice thundered from heaven. The voice said, King Nebuchadnezzar, these solemn words are for you. The kingdom has been taken away from you. You will be driven away from all that is human, and you will live in the company of wild animals. You will be forced to eat grass like oxen. 
Seven times will pass until you learn your lesson and acknowledge that it is the Most High God and no other who is the true sovereign over all kingdoms on earth, and he grants authority to anyone he wishes. Instantly, the heavenly decree against Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from all that is human and began to eat grass as oxen do. The dew of heaven fell and drenched his body. In time, his hair grew as long as the feathers on an eagle, and his nails grew long and curved back on his hand like the claws of a bird. When these days of exile came to an end, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up toward heaven and came to my senses. I blessed the Most High God and praised and gave glory to the one who lives eternally. His reign will endure forever. His kingdom will last from generation to generation. Among all the people of the earth, there are none who compare. He does as he wishes with the armies of heaven and those who live on earth. No one can stop his hand from acting. No one dares to ask, What have you done? It was in that moment that I came to my senses. Soon, my honor and splendor were restored as Daniel predicted, and the former glory of my kingdom returned. Those who had served me before, my advisors and officials, sought me and returned me to the throne of Babylon. In time, my kingdom and power grew even greater than it was before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, acknowledge the true king of heaven. I praise, lift up, and glorify him because all he does is true. All his ways are just, and he is able to cut down those who strut about in their pride. Okay, so this brings us to the opening lines of another letter. This one called Second Peter, and we just finished First Peter. Second Peter is thought to be the last of the writings of the old Saint Peter. Although it's important to at least acknowledge and point out that has been disputed and not within the last decade with modern scholarship but for centuries that has been a question all the way back into antiquity the acceptance of peter being the author of this letter is something that developed over time and by the fourth century uh, it was fully considered scripture but scholars are still debating over these things, not whether or not it should be in the Bible, not whether or not it's inspired, not whether or not it's scripture, but whether or not this is a letter from Peter. So a lot of people will consider Second uh, Peter very similarly to the book of Hebrews, like the author is not fully known. That doesn't change the contents or the value of what's being said, just not certain. A lot, of, a lot of this, well, a lot of any kind of biblical scholarship that causes debate, causes vigorous debate, that's sort of the point, is to vigorously debate and wrestle with and arrive at some convictions. And so uh, there are 
many scholars who would say, look, the writing between these two letters is a very, very different, like very hard to believe that the same author wrote both of the letters. Then those who are like, no, Peter did write both of these letters would say Peter was doing what was customary and normal at this time. He was dictating a letter and uh, a secretary an amanuensis, as it's called, was uh, taking the notes or taking the dictation and writing the letter down. And I guess there's valid reasons since the debate continues to uh, wrestle with it because there are compelling arguments that are scholarly arguments. But there are very compelling reasons to consider that Peter did write this letter. And so... That's how we're going to approach this as if Peter wrote Second Peter and that this is the last thing preserved. He was martyred shortly after this. And we have church tradition, a long running church tradition that, uh, that Peter was crucified. That's how he died. And that he, uh, he requested that he not be crucified like the Lord. And so he was crucified upside down. There's nothing about Peter's death or his execution or any of his trial or anything like that that's found in the New Testament. And so that is just a long-running church tradition, which does not mean it's only tradition. It just means it's not in the Bible. Uh, the letter doesn't explicitly say who it is to, he says that he's writing to you who share the same precious faith that we have. And so I guess it's safe to assume that this is another letter, probably written to the same people that he had written his first letter to because he refers to the first letter in the second letter. And where First Peter's mission was to bolster and lift up and kind of put some wind beneath the wings and instruct the believers how to endure because they were getting crushing pressure and it was only amping up. Second Peter warns about false teachings and uh, evil behavior, not from without, like not persecution coming from without, but evil behavior coming from within the church. And it's a short letter. We won't take a long time with it. But as we're moving through, rather than just like going, okay, he's teaching against false doctrine and teaching us how to live better lives, which would be fine. We just need to kind of consider in the same way that we considered Second Timothy as Paul's farewell that he knows that he's going to die. We can look at Second Peter kind of from the same perspective that Peter knows he's going to die and we've been journeying with Peter for the whole year like we met him in the gospels in January this is this is a disciple that was a fisherman that Jesus called on the shores of the sea of Galilee and Peter became a disciple of the rabbi of his rabbi Jesus and came to believe that Jesus was Lord, the son of the living God. And he had walked around following Jesus and seeing his ministry and seeing the miracles that he performed and 
all of the private moments I so longed to know about Jesus' private time with his disciples. I wish that were all written down somewhere. I would love that. What were the things that they sat around a fire and laughed about? Because Peter would have been there. What are the things that would have upset them and brought them to tears? Peter would have seen that. Peter would have lived alongside of Jesus. And we know that Peter ate his last supper with Jesus. And we know that Peter denied he even knew Jesus and then watched him die. But then we also saw this remarkable transformation in Peter as Jesus restores him on the shores of the Sea of Galilee at the end of the book of John, the Gospel of John. And we saw in the book of Acts the Holy Spirit coming to the upper room. And then it's Peter who preaches this first sermon after that on Pentecost and 3,000 people chose to follow Jesus then and there. And so a massive transformation. This will be the last time we'll hear the words of Peter this year as we continue our journey forward. And so let's give it gravity. Let's give it the honor that it's due. And let's begin. Second Peter Chapter 1 Simon Peter, a servant and emissary of Jesus, the Anointed One, to those who have received the same precious faith we share through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus, the Anointed. I wish you a full measure of grace and peace as you grow in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need to experience life and to reflect God's true nature through the knowledge of the one who called us by his glory and virtue. Through these things, we have received God's great and valuable promises so we might escape the corruption of worldly desires and share in the divine nature to achieve this, you will need to add virtue to your faith and then knowledge to your virtue. To knowledge, add discipline. To discipline, add endurance. To endurance, add godliness. To godliness, add affection for others as sisters and brothers. And to affection, at last, add love. For if you possess these traits and multiply them, then you will never be ineffective or unproductive in your relationship with our Lord Jesus, the Anointed. But if you don't have these qualities, then you will be nearsighted and blind, forgetting that your past sins have been washed away. Therefore, brothers and sisters, work that much harder to confirm that God has called you and claimed you. If you do this, then you will never fall along the way, and you can be sure that you will be richly welcomed into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus, the Anointed, our liberating King. That is why I will keep reminding you of these things 
even though I know that you believe them and have made these truths a part of your lives. As long as I draw breath, I know it is right for me to keep on stirring you up with these reminders. I know that soon I must die and lay down this old body that's been my home. Our Lord Jesus the Anointed has told me so. But before my exodus from this life, I want to be certain that you will be able to call these things to mind anytime you need them, even after I am gone. For I want to remind you that when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed, we were relying on what our eyes had seen of His glorious majesty, not on cleverly told fables. You see, God the Father lavished honor and glory upon Jesus when the voice of the majestic glory echoed from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, and my favor rests on Him. We witnessed this. We ourselves heard this voice from heaven when we were with Jesus on that holy mountain. We have a fuller confirmation of the message of the prophets. You would do well to pay close attention to this word. It is like a light that shines for you in the darkness of night until the day dawns when the morning star rises in your own hearts. But notice first that no prophecy found in Scripture is a matter of the prophet's own interpretation. Prophecy has never been a product of human initiative, but it comes when men and women are moved to speak on behalf of God by the Holy Spirit. Psalm 119, 97-112 Mem Oh, how I love your law. I fix my mind on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies because they are always with me. I have more discernment than all my teachers because I study and meditate on your testimonies. I comprehend more than those who are my elders because I have kept your precepts. I have kept my feet from walking the paths of evil so that I may live according to your word. I have not neglected your lessons, for you, God, have been my teacher. Your words are sweet to my taste. Yes, they are sweeter than honey in my mouth. I gain understanding from your instructions. That's why I hate every deceitful path. None. Your word is a lamp for my steps. It lights the path before me. I have taken an oath and confirmed it. I pledge to do what you say is right and just. I have suffered terribly, O Eternal One. Give me the life you promised. Please accept the words I offer willingly, O Eternal One, and instruct me in the ways of your justice. My soul is continually in danger but I do not forget your teachings. The wicked have laid a trap for me, but I have not drifted away from your instructions. Your decrees are forever mine, for they bring joy to my life. I have committed myself to do what you require forever and ever to the very end. Psalm 
Proverbs 28, 17, and 18. A man guilty of murder is a fugitive, fleeing to the nearest hole in the ground but not escaping death's cold pit. Don't do anything to save him. Whoever walks in honesty will be safe, but whoever travels the crooked path will suddenly fall. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for a brand new shiny sparkly week that we get to enjoy it in. And thank you for this week, Lord, another transition week. By the time this week is through, we will be in the 12th month of the year. Thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for bringing us this far. And thank you for seeing us through all the way every day of this year that we might delight in you and continue our journey together through the scriptures. And we look forward with longing to all that you have yet to speak into our lives this year. And we ask, Holy Spirit, what we've been asking for weeks now, that we would lock in, that we would not become distracted, that we would not get disrupted, that we would finish strong, that we would finish well, so that we can begin strong and begin well. And we know that we can say all we want about finishing strong and well, but without you, we can't do anything. And so come, Holy Spirit, and lead and guide us in the way that we should go, in the paths of righteousness, on the narrow path that leads to life. We pray this in the mighty and victorious name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, everybody. This is Godsmile here. With Peter. Blind Tony. When you spoke about being with the consultant, he said, we'll be all right if we keep ahead of this. I couldn't help but smile, thinking of Jesus, our Alpha and Omega, the one that goes ahead of us. Tony, the one that goes before you, the one that prepares the way for you in this time of your life. We thank God that everything you need all your supplies are within Christ Jesus. And it causes me to sing unto the Lord. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet i will be glad i will be glad in the lord bless thou the lord o my soul praise ye the lord bless thou the lord o my soul praise ye the lord bless thou the lord o my soul Praise ye the Lord. Bless thou the Lord, O my soul. Praise ye the Lord. 
Father, we bless you and we praise you. We thank you that your will be done in Blind Tony's life. Thank you for your love and your care and your provision. We love you, Blind Tony. You've got many more poems to share. Kiss, kiss. Bye for now. Hello, Dabbers. This is Z1. I want to thank God for my family and for all the prayers you've done for my grandma, God's chosen one, GA. And I also want to, and I also want to use this time to tell everyone to have a happy Thanksgiving. And if you've already decorated for this upcoming season, a Merry Christmas to come. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bye. Hey, my delightful dad fam. This is Kingdom Sicker Daniel. Family, it's day 285. I'm praying for our marriages. And today I want to pray for sunshine. Oh, my dear sister sunshine, I heard your heart. And I want you to know God is with you. And he knows. He sees and he cares. And I want to believe that God's will is being performed even in what seems to be impossible. So Father, I come on behalf of your daughter, Sunshine, whose husband left five years ago for someone else and is living in a wilderness kind of lifestyle the adult children are hurting and they, they can't make sense of it and are pretty hurt and devastated. Father, we ask that you would show up in this marriage. Lord, we know you hate divorce and it's not your will that man and woman should end up in divorce. However, because of the hardness of our hearts, you often allow it to be. But God, if, if it's possible, would you let this cup of divorce pass from sunshine and her husband and bring this man to his right mind to return to you and then to his wife and family? We know you can. And we're asking that you would bring healing to this entire family, to your glory in Jesus' name, amen. Wow, Daily Audio Bible, it's Thanksgiving. I'm so thankful for you. But even more, I'm thankful for the Word of God who convicts, who heals, covers my sins in His blood. All the readings from today stab my heart because they are true in my heart, but they don't, they're not put into practice. I guess I want it to be perfect, but it's never going to be perfect until I see the perfect one, until we see the perfect one. This is Lorley Boynton Beach. <laughs> I just was unloving towards my mom once again. Having my identity 
and her rejection and her abandonment and her not enjoying children. It's been passed on and I don't want to regret the authority and the gift of being a child of my mom's. So I just pray that God bless my mom, bless our time together. Don't let me leave again in anger and disappointment, finding my identity in her, anything, because right now in her dementia, she really doesn't know what she's doing. And before she didn't either. So please forgive her, I do as well. And um, give me strength to be present and suffer. Well, 